Luck on Sunday, proudly sponsored by Albasti Ecruel Dubai. Welcome to the Luck on Sunday podcast, a weekly audio digest of all the best bits of Luck on Sunday, free to air every Sunday from nine o'clock that brings you the best guests and insight from around the racing world. Uh, the guests to my right, Pat Cosgrave, currently riding but serving a ban. Neil Callan, currently riding but serving a ban. I was just saying, these bands are great for us on a Sunday. We get these guys in, as opposed to you riding. And Jonathan Harding of the, the Racing Post. How, no ban for you? No ban for You're me. You're all right. Not that Good. I'm aware of. No, well, there's, there's always Not time. Yet. How are you, Pat? <laughs> Good, thank you. Yeah? Did you enjoy watching the action yesterday? Yeah, it was good. Yeah, it was wet, but... Uh, it was? I didn't get wet. No, you were inside, were <laughs> yeah, you? Yeah, I was. Was it frustrating watching on from the sidelines? Obviously. Yeah, it always is when you're suspended, um, you know, when it's enforced on you. Um, yeah, we don't like missing out on, especially the big days, yeah. you know, um, the, it's the first uh, weekend of classics. So, mm. it, yeah, it, it was it was a shame to miss you, out. You probably would have ridden the second. Well, I don't know where he would have finished if you were on, but that's the horse you may have had the ride on, right? Well, yeah, so I, I, I had dinner with Kevin last night, uh, Kevin Ryan. Um, obviously very happy for, for, for his horse to run second. He ran a great race. But uh, I did drop in that I would have won on him. So, <laughs> but, uh, Absolutely. No, yeah. no, no love, it's, it's just good. Kevin, when he ran his first run at Newmarket, Kevin said this horse is going to improve a stone. So mm. he, at least he backed up his, his, his call that the horse was going to improve. And he ran a credible second. We're obviously going to look at the race in detail. But the main talking point is his last ride in the, in the Guineas and, and Frankie wins it again. It was particularly after what had happened in the trial. I thought it, it, it was a great moment. It was great to be there and witness it, Jonathan. No, absolutely. And uh, these races have a funny habit of throwing up these nice little story arcs. And obviously the trial went horribly. Uh, mm. We're talking about this extended farewell tour. It just it sort of almost had to be Frankie, didn't it? And oddly, the horse was slightly, in a weird way, forgotten about with people guessing at what the strongest juvenile form was. It turned out to be the, the obvious one um, mm. with Chaldean. But it's a, it's a great story with Frankie. And these guys have been far more qualified than me to say, but the ride looks simple, but I'm sure it actually wasn't with, with the fractions and everything else. I thought it was a great ride and clearly a very good horse. We're going to come to that. And it was an incident pack race as well with obviously the, the incident with Little Big Bear and Royal Scotsman. Royal Big, uh, Little Big Bear uh, struck into himself, it was reported. Um, and, and August Rodan, the, the favourite, was, was fundamentally very frustrating or very disappointing. Um, I think we've got used to... Aidan O'Brien winning it with a, a horse that we haven't seen since the juvenile days, but both of those were disappointing. Yeah, yeah, look, as I say, it was, it, their side seemed to be in a little bit of a, a muddle, sort of, you know, obviously Wayne's horse looked very keen, and um, I think Jim and Ryan got a little bit of a bump around, and that mm. didn't help, and they never really got into the race after that, and I said it looked like um, the front end had the, had the, the run of it, really. 
Let's get stuck into it then. Um, Tom Markham's going to be joining us at some point. Um, we're going to um, obviously reflect on his injury and the fact that he missed the weekend. So uh, good of him to, to join us this morning. He'll be along very soon. But the Kipco 2000 Guineas, we, we can take it in full. It was, uh, as I say, an incident-packed race. It took place in the wet, Jonathan. It was a race where I don't know, we, we wondered whether or not we'd get one group, whether we'd get two groups. Um, in the end, it was straightforward until the early incident where Royal Scotsman was perhaps a little bit lit up by uh, the, the bump with Little Big Bear. That said, he was pretty lit up out the gates, Jonathan. No, absolutely. It's always a, a funny old race because you've got some that are probably want to step further up and trip in time and you've got some that probably want to drop back. It's a real kind of test of where these horses are at. In many cases, in their first start of their three-year-old season, you never quite know how they've trained on from two. but. It was, a, it was a, an odd start to the race. I think the ground has certainly done for a few of them. And I think you're right to point out Royal Scotsman, and, and we've discussed him beforehand, as one of the horses to take out of the race. Because given what we're seeing here in the early stages, he's short of room, he's, had a, he's very keen, they're struggling to hold on to him. The way he finished was incredibly impressive. I thought this, Neil, was game over for Royal Scotsman. Yeah, like, I mean, he, he, especially when the ground changes like this and it, the race becomes tactical because it's not going to be run a breakneck because you've got to conserve your energy when once the ground gets a bit testing but you know he pulled for a good uh, nearly first half of the race mm -hmm. and um, you know when you look at the last furlong out of the dip he was the only one attacking the line very strongly um, so yeah yeah Royal Scott's me to be one I'd take out but look you cannot take away from the winner mm. you know he's, he's, he's virtually unbeaten and um, you know he Frankie gave him a very yeah, it was a cool, confident ride, and, and nobody does better than confidence in Frankie. So, um, High Royal up on the front there, a little bit distracted, off a straight line. I'm not sure whether he would have, um, uh, you know, at the business end, whether he would have uh, um, made any difference to Frankie winning. But a good, credible second, but uh, you cannot take away from the winner. He's a very high-class horse. But I, I, what I would say is that from a form point of view going forward, you know, you look at the, the main protagonists in this race, the O'Brien horses, the Godolphin horses at the back. I think going forward, when they get on quicker ground, I think the form's going to bolster and strengthen up as the season goes on. I love, Pat, the, the horses, the winner's action, the way he goes about it, the way he claws at that ground, his, his head, everything about him, just he just looks class. And was it, I mean, why was it a good ride from Frankie, or was it not just a case of he was comfortably on the best horse in the world? Well, yeah, it's probably a bit of both, really. Frankie got in a nice rhythm from, from the get-go, and it was very easy for him. He was, you know, in a nice rhythm. He, you know, said a lot of the other horses were sort of keen, not in a nice nice flow, and when you're keen in that, that ground, it, it, it pays in the end, and I say Frankie just, from, say, from work go, he was in a nice rhythm. He was, you know, close to Ocean, and he, he could ride his own race and go when he wanted to, and, you know, as I say, it was... From the dip, really, it was all over very quickly. Mm. I think it's all about giving your horse a trial without a rider on board now. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be the new trend. Yeah. I think it could be more of an extension rather than an extended <laughs> retirement for Frankie. Yeah. If he keeps riding this well, uh, we might see a bit more of him. It's going to be hard for him to actually <laughs> walk. Like, can you imagine if he gets to the business end of the season, he's had a best ever year. Anyway, Tom Markham's on the line to, uh, to join us and, and just have a little uh, reflection back on this as well. How are you, Tom? How's the arm? Yeah, morning, yeah, it's, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, it's attached anyway, so that's the main thing. <laughs> that, that is the main thing. What were your thoughts on the Kipco 2000 guineas? Yeah, look, as, as uh, Neil and Patsy have just alluded to, I think um, 
you know, just really impressed with, with Chaldean, the way he did everything right, and um, like he's proved himself an exceptional talent, and 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 the fact that he can, um, yeah, yeah, just be um, uh, a, a sort of a concentrated and uh, relaxed version of uh, what some of the others probably um, could have dreamed of doing in yesterday's race. Were, were there any in behind any any of the beaten horses that you? that you wanted to talk about that, that leapt out at you as thinking will be interesting on another day for whatever reason? Uh, yeah, I think, I think uh, yesterday's race was probably um, uh, one of the ones that you'd have the strongest view on in the last few runs of it because there was sort of so much going on in behind and um, you had Royal Scotsman Keane. Uh, you, you also had horses that probably are going to want to step up in trip and, and show that yesterday too, um, like the uh, Ahmed Al Sheikh horse and um, like there's, there's uh, plenty of horses that will go in lots of different directions from yesterday's games, and um, you know that's why it's such an exciting race. It's early in the season, and um, although you've obviously found a champion in, in, in Chaldean, you've got lots of other horses that are going to go in different directions too. Mm. I'm just going to ask the, the panel here what they would do with um, Royal Scotsman first of all. I think he's in the Commonwealth Cup, but there was talk of him possibly coming back to a sprinting trip or sticking it a mile. What would you do, Neil? Well, I would certainly have him in most of all the big six and mile races. Um, the sprint division is quite set, so the races are there. Um, the mile races is any amount. Like you can go to French Guineas, you can go to the Irish Guineas. You know, there's there's plenty of mile races around. So, I would have him in all those races, and then uh, obviously I'd take the they'll get him home, see how he comes out of the race. But the one good thing about milers is they have to have speed. So. You know, most of the top-class milers, like you see Frankel, like he, mm. he he could have been a mile and a half for us, but he had six furlong speed. So, you know, that's that's the sort of attribute you need to be a top-class horse. I get, and the other thing with him, I think he could have been a mile and a half horse at, at some stage in m most of the early part of his career. He had six furlong temperament, if you like, in a way. This horse seems that the winner, Chaldean, seems seems pretty settled, seems pretty solid mentally. Uh, what would you do with Royal Scotsman? Oh, I stayed in mind. Yeah, like he was just probably a bit fresh as well yesterday. Um, I just go to probably St James's Palace, Ascot, different track, round a bend. Um, I say, you know, he did well to come for this new market really mile. It's hard to make up ground and it was a don't go fast in the front end. And I say, obviously he was the best horse in the day, and he he may have just a bit more of a run the race, the, the eventual winner. But yeah, I, I think stay at a mile. If you start going back back and trip and switch switching from sprinting to mile, you never know what you're doing really. So I think. Stay at a mile. Do you think if they reopposed, Royal Scotsman would have a chance of reversing the form a third time lucky? I think has a chance, yeah, certainly. Um, I think I agree. I think you stick at a mile. You have the option of going back to six if it doesn't work. I'd like to see them both line up at Royal Ascot in that race for as a spectacle as much as anything. There wasn't much to split them really in mm. either race. And you think with a bit more luck in running, he would have got much closer yesterday. So I, I think they've got a classy miler with a decent turn of foot there. And I think it's too easy to perhaps say drop back because of the turn of foot. I think you keep that in your back pocket for later in the season if you need it. Tom Markle, I'm trying to build this into a bit of a Knight of Thunder Kingman sort of rematch, if you like. Do you remember when um, James Doyle rode Kingman in, in the St James's Palace and then did the shush at the line after getting beaten in, in the guineas? Um, uh, who, do, who, who do you think the round mile might suit a little bit more or less, or do you just think Chaldean's a better horse and will come out on top if they're reopposed? Um, look, I think, uh, yeah, of, of, of what he did yesterday, he, he's the horse with nothing to prove, and um, you have, the, as, as, as 
he's just been saying you have the horse like Royal Scotsman who who now realistically has everything to prove. Um, but I was I was really impressed with the way he actually didn't weaken towards the line. Like he he went at, at that last hundred yards where he hit that the good climb and um, like he wasn't uh, he wasn't stopping and Ascot um, the race settles down a lot more. It should, you know the race has to shut down because you're going up the race around that bend. So um, you know it could it could play play towards Royal Scotsman's strengths if he can get his race right around and. He hasn't. He hadn't had a trial. Um, you know, it might just have been pure freshness, um, that just needed that race to sort of knock the edge off him. So, um, look, I, I certainly wouldn't be jumping to any mad conclusions as of yet because um, I think you can you can definitely forgive him for um, doing it wrong once. And uh, look, if you were to go to the to the St James Palace, I'd be I'd be really interested. If you got a nice low draw, you just he ended up down the fence getting sucked into the race without having to do any work. It probably should suit him well. Tom, what did you think about Frankie Vittori winning his his fourth Kipco 2000 Guineas? What 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 were your thoughts watching on? I mean, look, you couldn't you couldn't write it, and 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 uh, in in true sort of uh, Frankie fashion, like it's just um, it's it's amazing, and um, you know our sport has had Frankie for so long, and and and. Um, you know, for, for long, a lot longer than I've been alive. So um, we're extremely lucky to have someone of his uh, stature and character within our game. And um, but days like yesterday are great for racing because um, you know, general general public know who Frankie is. And um, on such a big day yesterday for uh, the country, I mean, we as racing have a, a good story to come out of the weekend as well. It's um, it's 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 what we need realistically because. Uh, racing needs to sort of stay in the headlines somehow and um, frankly is one of the main reasons it had done for a very long time. We're going to hear from him in just a second. When, when are you going to be back, Tom? Um, I'm hoping Wednesday. Um, okay. I've sort of, uh, yeah, I got, uh, obviously got the all clear from x-rays, but just, um, it was a fairly messy deep wound just from where it split me open. So I uh, had it all stitched back up and just got to wait for that to settle back down again. We're actually just looking at what happened with the 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 Emma racing horse that, that kicked you. Did you think at that point it might be broken? No, nah, honestly, I, I I didn't think there was a problem. I just thought uh, it hurt a bit. I got a dead arm and obviously I got red colours on. Um, and there was a bit of wet straight away and I thought, oh, I swear. Um, so where it's put to court me, obviously we, we, were, we were racing on um, on, uh, on grass. So I just thought, oh, I saw a bit of, a bit of moisture off the ground. And um, I carried on walking to the gates thinking, oh, well, come back to me. And then I looked down and my britches getting quite red already and uh, obviously hopped off, peeled the colours back and um, was, uh, yeah, uh, well, my arm had obviously been opened up pretty badly. So um, it wasn't actually what I expected to see. I, I was thinking, oh, I just got that arm. Um, so I was, I was more in disbelief that the fact that it managed to kick my arm whilst I was actually stood up in the irons. Like I've, mm. I've seen people kicked in the leg loads, uh, obviously riding out and, and down at the start it can happen, but... Uh, to get kicked that high up, like it's above the elbow as well. So, um, yeah, a bit of a bit of a shock. Tom, good stuff. I hope you're back Wednesday. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Tom. Cheers. Just get these guys' thoughts on on uh, Frankie. Finally, do we get do, do, as a weighing room colleague? Are you happy with him, or are you are you slightly um, looking ahead to the season, thinking, God, we're going to be doing this all year on the on the Frankie farewell tour? Frankie, no, absolutely. I, no, I'm, 
I'm actually uh, in awe and proud of him. Like, listen, we're all competitors and we don't like others beating you because we always want to win because that's mm. the name of the game. It's a sport. But um, he's great for racing, Frankie, you know, mm. and like Tom alluded to, like, we need this sort of headlines with Frankie on them. Not just with Frankie on them, with racing in general. And um, he's the one on the forefront, like, you know, obviously it's all built around this farewell tour, but I don't know, I could see it maybe not turning into a farewell tour and being an extension. So, um, look, it, I, I think actually Frankie will probably help spur everyone on because when you do get into races with him, you're gonna, I think you're going to improve yourself, you're going to ride more competitive, you're going to be trying to, you know, take the headlines off Frankie. So, yeah, it's great, it's great for racing. It's great mm. for it. We need it. Pat? Yeah, look, uh, I, th I think he's good for racing, you know, and, and he's going to be big, big hole to fill when he's on and off the, you know, at on the, on the track and off it, because you know, he's a household name, isn't he? Everyone knows him. And uh, are, you, are you surprised he's still? Are you surprised he's riding like he is? I mean, the the the, the spell in America was fantastic for him uh, in his early fifties. Not really, you know. He t keeps himself very fit. He goes to the gym every day. You know, he eats really healthy. You know. And he only rides when he, you know, he's not going like us day in, day out. He's mm. picking and choosing when he rides. And I think America was good for him. It changed, you know, and uh, he rode well there and he's come back fresh. And, you know, as I say, he's he's just a brilliant jockey. And I was w listening to r um, racing yesterday and uh, Francesca Manny's just said, like, her father said he's just lucky. Mm. Well, no matter what, it, it, he's obviously a brilliant jockey, but he's always very lucky as well. And, you know, I say he's... You know, hopefully he doesn't retire, but who knows? I won't lambast you for not watching racing TV. That's all right. You're forgiven. We can join the horse <laughs> and the trainer, Andrew Baldy, the Ian's trainer. Andrew, huge congratulations. A second guineas in in four years. H how are you? How's the horse? Uh, yeah, good. He's uh, he trotted up well this morning. Lost quite a lot of weight because uh, I think he had. You know, I think all the horses just had a hard race, but um, he seems he seems fine now. Very relaxed. Um, He's a total professional. I mean, he is—he is, he is a, a bit of a professional, isn't he? He certainly—he certainly seemed it in the lead up to the race, and and he seemed it in the early part of the race as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, we were really Frankie was still on him after a furlong, and the rest was <laughs> was fairly sort of uh, easy, really. Mm. Um, what what was the sort of feeling last night of, of for, for for the whole camp? Is it obviously huge joy? Um, Relief, given there was, I guess, a bit of pressure going into it with a horse that won a Dewhurst. Yeah, sure. Well, I, I mean, I think Newbury took a bit of pressure off us, to be honest. If he'd gone and won the Green, and probably would have been a lot more fraught uh, leading up to the race. But uh, no, we, we were really happy with him. And uh, as I say, in the race itself, you know, when the rain came, we he's won on very soft ground at Doncaster, and that wasn't a concern. So you know, we were just uh, really looking forward to it. And uh, you know, I'm, I'm glad he brought his A game. Hmm. What I, I think, whenever we see horses in the morning after a race, be it a you know a, a, a run of the mill race or a or a, or a guineas, we always sort of ask you know what you expect in the morning. What what do you want to see from a horse in in the morning after a race? Uh, well, first and foremost, they're sound. Um, obviously, it's nice if they've eaten up, and then the next thing is obviously how much weight they've lost. But uh, he was 100% sound. He'd left a little bit of food overnight, but that's to be expected. And but he'd he'd lost more weight than we were than than the average. So uh, that just sort of suggests they probably had a hardish race. 
He seems pretty, pretty chill. But I mean, is that just a, is that because he had a you know he, he won a guineas yesterday, or, or is he normally like? <laughs> no, he's no, he's a he's always just a total total pro. Lovely horse, um, and just got a great temperament. And uh, yeah, we're very lucky to have him. Uh, and I interviewed um, his groom, Chetan, alongside, who, who took home the, the whirlpool moment of the Four day. Four grand, yeah. Which was fantastic. Four grand, happy days. Yeah, he had a load of friends in the pub last night. <laughs> yeah, I bet. I bet everyone was saying, listen, that, that really should be shared, you know. Um, yeah. But that was, that was great. And he was paying tribute to the horse, Andrew, just about how much love and affection he, he has for this animal. Yeah, no, that, Chetan, they're talking about you. They're saying what a good job you did, um, which is absolutely <laughs> right. Um, he can't hear us. Um, but no, Chetan's worked for us for a long time now. He's looked after some good horses, but nothing as good as this. He thoroughly deserves it. Yeah, he's saying first horse he, he led up in a guinea's in it one. Um, all right, St. James's Palace next, do you think? Yes, I think so. We need, you know, certainly we want to be running back as quickly as the Irish guineas. So we'll, we'll gear towards Ascot and take it from there. OK, and do you think you will stay at a mile this year? Because he'll get 10, won't he? Yeah, he could do. I think the owners do sponsor a race at York later in, uh, in 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 August, so you know that might be tempting. Love that. That yeah, yeah. Just about the right time to go and take on some older horses. I think this is perfect. You got it all mapped yeah, it could, out. Yeah, it could 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 work. I mean, obviously the Sussex Stakes as well. We might take on older horses before that, but um, you know, I, I think you know anything's possible. And he's the Guineas winner. He deserves to go go where we want to go. So looking forward to it. Right, back on Friday, I guess the star of the show really was Hurricane Lane, who was back in the winner's enclosure off the back of a really disappointing run at Newbury on his, on his um, reappearance this year when really struggling, I guess, in the, in the testing ground. This was billed, really, Pat, as last chance saloon for him, and it probably was, but he answered all the questions. What, what do you put this down to, do you think? Oh, look, I think maybe just his first run back this year was, it was really horrible ground in Newbury. And um, you know he's he's obviously older horse now. Might just take a to run to put him right, and obviously they've put some cheek pieces on. But uh, can I say, you know he's very good form. He, he you know he's by far the class horse in the race. I thought, and surprised he wasn't favoured really. But look, he's I say Charlie's backed him backed him up quick after sort of 13 days. I think he ran from Newbury, and uh, he wouldn't have ran him unless he thought he he was ready to go again. And by all all. all Accounts it sound like he he worked really well on the Wednesday beforehand. So, I think um, he's just like you say, he's the class horse in the race, and people have quite short memories sometimes in this game. I think you know he, the form is there. His form is incredible from his three-year-old season. Obviously, didn't quite go to plan since then, but he has the class. He has the ability. If he's right and on it, then he, we see what we saw at Newmarket. I mean, they're working backwards from the arc still. Whether that's I think he still have a little bit more for me that he'd have to do, but he's gone close in one before. Um, if he backs this up at, let's say, Royal Ascot, I think he would be a live contender for the art. Depend obviously, that's a very ground dependent, but it was nice to see a horse who, who'd shown that much promise in his classic campaign kind of getting back to somewhere near a good level. That, that said, it was almost too bad to be true at Newbury. I mean, it... it he was well beaten. Yes, probably looked after when he realised the chance had gone, but it it, it looked a, it looked like he'd gone. I think I think pl plenty wouldn't have been surprised, Neil, had he blown out there and that had been that. No, and that probably would have rubber stamped, saying like, oh, maybe he is gone. But um, 
Charlie Appleby knows his horses very well, mm. and he's like he's he's one of the best trainers in the country at the moment. So, um, like Pat said, the fact that he backed him up realized that um, whether 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 it was the ground or whether they just the horse is a bit older now. So maybe th you know when they get a bit older, they they don't tend to put as much enthusiasm into their work at home, even though they're working well on the bridle. They get a little bit more stuffy. Takes a little bit more time to get them fit and. And I'd imagine that that's the case here. I'd, I'd say he's just caught a little bit um, unaware um, on how fit he actually was. And he's proven that now that they've just put a pair of cheapies on to focus him up. And you can see the way he gallops. He's quite a big horse. So I could see him, he'd probably go, what, the Hardwick next? Yeah, I think Hardwick next. I'll stick it a mile and a half and they'll, and, they'll, they're just um, working back from the arc, as you say. The Hardwick is the race for him. And um, if he goes there... And like Jonathan said, if he goes there and, and, and he's as impressive as that, then um, the arc could be on the radar, but he would definitely have to go there and be impressive to be in a recognition for the, for the arc. It, mm. um, it didn't all go to plan on the day for, for Charlie Apple because Naval Crown was a bit disappointing. We just saw Beck won the, the mile, the rearranged bet, 365 mile. Uh, he did it very comfortably. He's a horse that clearly loves uh, native trail. I, I meant uh, exactly right. Um, He's a horse that loves the track, and he probably got a relatively easy lead out out on the front end, Jonathan. But ultimately, he was he was very impressive. I I, I feel like away from Newmarket, he's he's a horse yet to really capture people capture people's imagination. Yeah, and I think that's the next that's the next step really. Native Trail is is a horse that has had a big reputation and has captured the imagination. And let's not forget, he is a very decent yardstick over a mile. So to have beaten them this comfortably. Um, he was never really troubled, was he, um, on top. It was a really good performance. You've got to replicate it away from Newmarket. Obviously, you do get course specialists. Um, but look, I think, it, what was he, to cut to single figure odds for the for the lock-ins, I think if that's where he goes, he's going to be interesting. I, I wouldn't be rushing to back him necessarily away from Newmarket, but he's a very good horse, and um, it was a good result for the up. What do you think away from Newmarket? Are we being harsh on him? Oh, look, he's a very good horse. Um, you know, he's... Yeah, I think he's been a bit harsh. I think, I think he's not just a one-trick pony. I think he can... I say, I think on his day, he's, he's quite talented. Second? Is he better than we saw there, do you think? The, sec the, the uh, native trail? Well, just interestingly, see, to watch that race, like, when... when when Jim kind of let his horse go, it took three, four lengths out of the, mm. at the, t at the bushes. And Native Trail, he looked floundered, but then he kind of was starting to catch him back towards the end. I, so I hadn't really appreciated well, so the end of the race. Qu I think that's the first time I've really watched it back. And he, and he so was coming back a bit, wasn't it'd he? It would be interesting to see whether they look at an option of maybe stepping up in distance. I mm. don't know. But, um, yeah, look, it, it was a step in back in the right direction. Yeah. They, they, they tried at the back end of last season for um, Native Trail, it just didn't quite work out, but um, hopefully he can go on and do it this year. Soprano was the juvenile winner for, for George Bowie, looked, I thought very impressive. Um, interestingly enough, they suggested that uh, it, it, would, it would likely be Albany as opposed to, to Queen Mary for all that this was a win over five. Jonathan, I, I think they're thinking of stepping up in trip as soon as possible. Yeah, and you can see why with the way that she travelled through the race. Um, George Bowie seems to excel with these sort of with the fillies, with the with the sprinters, and it was another very good performance. I, I think I'd be 
of that thinking as well. If you see the way that she's tanking into contention here, you think an extra furlong wouldn't be a problem at all. And um, yeah, a really nice one for them to, to be able to campaign at Royal Ascot. Very nice filly. Um, Love the way she moves, carries herself very well. And funnily enough, my son Jack uh, has been ride, riding her at George's. Um, How old is he? He's 16. Okay. Um, he's got his amateur license out with George now. Um, so he's had a ride for George, uh, hopefully plenty more in the summer. But he's about to start his GCSE, so he's, he's got to do his education and uh, he can ride as an amateur, um, gain some experience, get a bit stronger. But, but he's been riding this filly for, for, for a while when she first started uh, her prep. And uh, he'd been telling me that she was quite a nice filly and saying that uh, she's a six furlong filly. And he kept telling me, and uh, I know Steve, uh, Clipper Logistics, Steve Park in the second, she was a little bit unlucky. Mm. And I know they hold her in a, a nice regard at the Richard Fahey stable. So I think you take the front two out, I think they're both very, very nice fillies. And um, like I say, uh, Jack said that uh, she'd be a six furlong filly. So maybe the Albany is the race where she'd probably go. Okay. I'm going to speak to you after about any others he's been seeing. Just on him, <laughs> uh, did, did you follow a similar path? Was it education first for you, then riding? No. So, uh, why, so why, why, why does Jack... Well, no, I was going to say unfortunately for me, not unfortunately for me. Uh, look, I grew up in Ireland. It's much more casual. It's much more relaxed. And I grew up on the Curragh, which is a very much a racy, a racy culture. Mm. And um, I just I I used to record the racing on TV when I was at school and then watch it when I came home. So that's you know that was my bug into racing. And I literally did my first set of exams over there, which is your junior cert. And um, my mum and dad said you have to do at least your first set. And if you do well, we'll let you leave. So obviously I worked hard to do as well as I could in my exams. And uh, I didn't do too bad, so they kind of tried to convince me to stay, and I was like, no, 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 racing. <laughs> so yeah. I went straight into a stable. And in those days, it was just straight into a stable, and um, you do it the hard way. Uh, whereas now it's like racing school, and you're better prepped, and you've got, you know, everything's much more professional. So, mm. But, um, you know, I think Jack's quite bright. He's very sensible. He's, he's a very nice young fella. He's, he's a nice young kid. He's the right size? He is, yeah. He's he's um, he's a good size. He keeps very, very, very fit. Um, he's in my gym every day at home, and uh, he's eating much more healthy now. Um, so yeah, look, you know, he's quite bright. So this is why we want to push him to do his A levels. He has to go at least that far. And George, and he's been to Andrew Ballings, and he's been to over Johnny to Mur Johnny Murtis, and uh, he's been to Dave Simcox, and they've all advised him the same thing. So he's sensible enough to do that, and. Uh, once he's done his A-levels, if he wants to be a jockey, um, he can be. And Ryan Moore did the same path. He went to his A-levels as well. So Christophe Lemaire did the same thing. So. Mm. Pat, Cox, Pat Cosgrove? I no. don't know why he no. did. No. <laughs> Straight right. You were Aidan O'Brien, weren't you? Yep. Yeah. yeah. Started a few, well, I actually started off with Richard Hughes' father. Oh, did you? Desi Hughes? Desi. Oh. Yeah, I wanted to be a jump jockey. <laughs> really. At what point did you <laughs> go, hang on? Yeah, he, uh, he said to me, uh, there's still time. No. Um, I rode a few of our horses, but <laughs> he, 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 he said, I went, went to him and uh, I was there for a month and he said, well, you're a bit too small to go jumping. Mm. And I said, oh, really? Okay, he said, just stay with me for six months and I'll, I'll get you a, 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 good, a good yard to go to. And I ended up going to the same place Neil was, Kevin Prendergast to start with. So I spent, uh, I think, 
think three years there with him. Very good. And then I went to... Who, who else was there, young riders there at the time? Uh, Kieran Fallon was there. No. Oh, yeah. Um, Brian Michael Hughes was there. Was he? Brian U yeah, Brian was there. Michael Hussey. Um, there was a whole lot of us. Um, but, yeah, that was good. And then I moved on to Aidens for two years. And uh, that was it. Champion Apprentice? Champion Apprentice, 2003, I think. Um, yeah, and then... Yeah, I moved to the UK after that, which it was tough because I ended up going to moving here with no claim, but it worked out in the end. You made it work. Yeah, you have to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we might be able to have more of that later because I just want to tie up um, the action on Friday. So Infinite Cosmos, I thought was exciting. I don't want to say ultra impressive, because she probably wasn't uh, at the end of the day, Pat, ultra impressive, but there was just a buzz about her on the day. And I think that's partly because she's a she's a Sir Michael Stout trained filly, and that always creates a little bit more for us. But what did you make of this? Yeah, look, it was, I thought in the end she was quite convincing, but you know, as you say, Sir Michael Stout, you know, improved plenty, you know, early in the season. Um, but I like the way she she got to line good in the end, and I'm sure when she um, maybe steps up a little bit in trip, she's going to improve even more again. So yeah, want 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 to keep keep an eye on her for the future, I think. We had a bit of a split of opinion, Neil, on the day as to, <clears throat> I think our, our team was saying there was a greenness about her, but we wouldn't focus on that, whereas Connections were sort of saying, you know, it is early days for her, and she and she was pretty green and toe, which we'll, we'll, we'll come to. What did you think? Yeah, she was a little bit green, and I probably that came down to the aspects of the track. You know, you could see she was a little bit lost when she went into the dip. Um, but the thing I liked about her that... Yes, she was a slightly a little bit green and showed a little bit of immaturity, but at the same time she was like lengthening and lengthening and lengthening and she hit the line quite well. And actually she looked like the last 50 that she was just having a look around as well. And it's a, a typical uh, Sir Michael uh, stout filly that he excels with. Patience, take your time, let them come. And um, I could see her going on to, to lofty things in the summer. Do you, uh, do you see her as an Oaks filly? <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, it was a typical, it was a typical Sir Michael Stout filly, but also a typical Sir Michael Stout interview afterwards in that yeah. he did not engage with the excitement. And I, I'm all for getting excited. Look at the colours, look at the trainer, look at the breeding. I mean, why not get a little bit excited? Whether we're t talking about the likely winner of the Oaks, I'm not entirely sure. I think I'd need to see a trial, and I think that's what Sir Michael Stout's thinking as well, is that... She still has to do it at a slightly higher level, but the ceiling could be very high indeed. Well, that was the, the question I started with, with um, Sir Michael Stout afterwards, was did he see her as an Oaks filly? Um, well, we thought, we've always thought it was a possibility. I didn't think she was, I didn't think she was particularly impressive there. It was workmanlike, but she is a work in motion, you know? She's still, she's still learning on the job. Um, so... We'll, we'll, run her, we'll run her in a, in a trial and, and make a decision after that. What, what was Ryan's immediate response getting off? Um, that he earned his riding fee. <laughs> and, and pleased enough she won without her being sparkling? Yeah, yeah. But I don't think she's going to be sparkly at this stage of her mm. career. But uh, she, just, she needs to grow up. You know, she was just a little bit toey in the outside before she was saddled up she's taking time to learn 
and that would have been slightly better ground than she had on her debut. Just sort of ground-wise, what do you see her as, as well, enjoying? I think the ground was very soft at Doncaster, and she went through that. This is probably on the slow side of good, and she handles that. I think she may be impervious to ground. Welcome back. Normally we have guests in and out, but this is... We'll get, get you for a, for a lot of time. I'm enjoying it. Um, should we get Concord out of the way? Yep. Good. Right. Because we, we're not going to not do it. But um, you fronted up after it straight away. Uh, it was Neil smiling. <laughs> it was... Uh, uh, I don't know. Just, just, just what, how do you reflect on it a good while after it now, Pat? Oh, look, it's just, uh, you know, a huge mistake on my part. You know, it shouldn't have happened, but it did. Um, what are you thinking at this point? Probably wasn't. <laughs> uh, no, it's it just, uh, you know, I, I've sat last of, of, of all the runners and I've just passed them all out and the eventual horse that beats me, he was going nowhere turning in and mm. I've just been caught. And he just did, did you not know he was coming up the arena? No, I, I didn't because I looked both ways and, I, you know, he was going nowhere and I say, I've, I've just probably just... You know, eased him down a bit too quick, and he's just shut down on me. And well, see, when you look there, when you look to your left there, mm. you're not getting beat. And then, yeah, it's, look, uh, it's it's not not good viewing, really. No, it's not. But it's it like you fronted up straight away afterwards. Uh, it, whatever we do, whatever profession we're in, everyone has made a notable error. It's just, it's just, it, it's, it's it's it's. I'm sure it's really uncomfortable watching it back. What? Yeah, look, it is. It yes. You said it shouldn't happen. It was a big error, mm. you know. Um, you know, it, it was quite embarrassing, really, because you say I'm not usually one for doing something silly like that, um, and unfortunately, I got caught. So I just sort of, you know, I had to take the chin quickly, you know, go and accept it and and try and apologise to everyone concerned and. To be fair, um, you, know, you know, the owners were very good at rang them. I didn't mm -hmm. know what to say to Paul, Paul Roy to start with because it was, you know, what can you really say? You know, obviously, very embarrassing, but I say he was very good. He, 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 he told me to go home and try and get some sleep, which never really happened. Mm. Didn't get much sleep, really. And, you know, it's, it's, but look, as I say, and, and, you know, before I even go back to the weigh room, you know, George had, had texted me and said, look, um, don't worry with this, you know, I'm, I'm right behind you and just call me when you're sort of ready to talk, you know, and that, hadn't got into into the stewards room at the time and, you know, we all know he's a world-class trainer, but you learn that, you know, between him and the owners, they're world-class people as well, they should have, you know, they could have went mad, you know, and they'd have a right to, but um, I say, he, is it, you know, it, it couldn't be changed, but... You know, I learned, you know, how classy these people were to mm -hmm. accept what happened. And, you know, it's 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 not easy. It was a sort of go home that night and I say I didn't get much sleep, but I had to get up the next day and go to Newbury. I had three rides for Richard Hughes and, you know, um, I met Clive Cox on the way in and I, he asked me, did you, get, did you get much sleep last night? I went, not really. And, uh, you know, it, it, well, I went on from there. I got into the way room and I got plenty of stick then from... Uh, don't worry, Neil will probably won that first. He won't forget it too quick. I'll forget it before he does. Could, um, did you sympathise with him? Look, you know, I 
I'm sure he's had a lot of messages, but I was at home and I texted him straight away. And um, you've got to give Pat a lot of respect for it, though, you know, because it was a hard thing to come straight back out on live TV. And look, I'm sure it was probably expected at some stage, but to come straight back out and, of course, you're going to hold your hands up. You made a mistake. It's a mistake. Everybody makes mistakes. We make mistakes in our everyday lives. Mm. Never mind your job or your, you know, if you're a professional sportsman, whatever you do. You make mistakes. This is how you learn in life. And you're just unlucky that, well, not unlucky, we're a professional sports person and he's, he's, he's ridden in a race. He's made a mistake. He's made a mistake. I made a mistake last season. I rode a circuit too early around Kempton. And you fronted out. I you fronted oh two you, winners. You, you fronted up straight away. Yeah, and I won the two races before. And what I would say was like I just <coughs> I just had a quick glimpse of the race, looked at my ride and saw my draw and it was actually quite keen going to the start, so I didn't feel like it was a two mile hours. Anyway, look, I thought I'd ridden a treble. <laughs> <laughs> but look, um, what and uh, you just must feel I'll, I'll, sick. You must I just did, be, uh, I did, but I very quickly laughed it off to myself, saying, "Oh my God, you idiot! What have you done?" And then I just come in and I apologised. Mm. Mark Parrott was there. I apologised. I apologised to the owners, and then I tried to turn it into a joke. I said, "Well, listen, one thing's for sure: he's not a two-mile horse." <laughs> and <laughs> so, but look, you know, look, out of respect and. I contacted Amanda the next day. I got the details <coughs> for the stable accounts, and I got the invoice, which was the travel, the my riding fee, the the groom's uh, expenses for the day, and the entry fees, and I paid it all back. Mm. And that's not a pat on the back for me. I did what I should have done, and I quickly moved on. And I made a mistake. Okay, so get and to get into the the punishments for it, what, you got twenty eight. 28 days, yeah. And you, you're like on the chin, fine. Yeah, look, you got to, you know, I, I, it was, it shouldn't have happened. Mm. So, uh, you know, the, that's that's what the, the the punishment is. It was 28 days, and there's no way of getting out of it. And like saying, you know, I, it was just, I had to accept it. As I say, it's like everything I had is like, you know, as I say, you have to get, o get on with things quickly as well. You have to accept it, the penalty, and uh, you move on. And say, it's it's. That's what the, the punishment was, so I, I can't argue with no. it. What did you get? I think I got twelve. Okay. I didn't argue. You can't. You can't argue. No. It's. It is what it is, and it's it's a mistake that we shouldn't make, but we did because nobody's perfect, and you take it on the chin and you move on, and you actually, you it makes you stronger. So it is what it is. I was a bit anxious then for a minute. You were working along the line. I was worried some <laughs> mistake I'd made was going about to go off on the screen. Me scoring an own goal ten years ago or something. But no, they could have <coughs> put up my uh, attempted interview at Epsom with Andrea Razzani um, <laughs> on, on live TV, where I just completely missed him. Um, but we all do it. But I suppose it's it's about ramifications and it's about um, you know. You, so so you get in twenty eight for that. Um, like you, like you say, you can't argue, and th those are the rules, and that's that. Um, and then how do you feel about a 28-day 28, uh, 28 ban for, for that? That feels right to you, does it, if you compare it to mistakes in other sports? Or? It's really difficult to compare to other sports because it's not like other sports in the sense that uh, sporting error is linked to the rules and is linked to bans and is considered a misdemeanor, whereas in any other sport, if you make a mistake, it's just that, it's a mistake, and you brush it off and that's part of sport. There's this kind of blurred line between 
penalties for what is an innocent sporting error. Um, well, I'm not entirely sure the punishment fits the crime relative to other incidences and other bans that are given out. I feel like 28 days is fairly severe myself, but you know, it, it is just one of those, like you say. And isn't that because of where we sit? Um, regards the, the the betting industry and integrity, and therefore, you know, I don't know what the motor racing ban is. For example, if you take your foot off the throttle and, and you get caught the line, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if you do get banned for that. Or you just take it on the chin. But I think we have to sit slightly astride of that because of the fact that there are all sorts of other implications. Yeah, that's spot on. And that there's but there's implications in other sports as well. But I think racing is so allied to betting and to the turnover derived from that that it has to be seen quite rightly to be uh, perfectly crystal clean transparent um, still mistakes happen mm. and you just got to take it on the chin haven't you but uh, again uh, the way that the way that you came out both of you came out and, and spoke about it that's the key to it because then that that is that there is that honesty then and that transparency to very quickly shut it down and say look hands up nothing amiss here don't get any ideas it's mm. not what you placed your bet on was legitimate. It was an error of judgment. Now you're much more frustrated by because you got four days as well for is it one over or is it for not giving time uh, to respond? Time to respond. Time to respond. So you're more frustrated by this than you are the 28. Yeah, but look, they say it's obviously new rules have come in and uh, whip rules and um, they actually the day before the Chelmsford incident, um, I basically pulled my sticks from my right hand to my left and. Unknowingly, I, I've my my as I've pulled the stick through, it's 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 sort of as I went to shorts forward, it's it's touched the. Um, I want you to take us through it because this isn't which horse is it? No, they were yeah. we've highlighted it. Ideal, no speed limit. Go on, what have you done here? Oh look, he's just starting to look a li little bit left of me, so just trying to keep him straight. And as I just pulled it through, it's it's come far too far back, and there it, that was counted as two strikes. Okay. And then I felt I've given one more, so. I thought he only hit the horse twice in total. But so the first one when you pulled it through yeah. wasn't an intended no. strike. No, but it, it did it did touch the horse. I, I look it on on the on the screen it looked like for me it didn't I didn't realise it did. Okay. But as they slowed it down it looked like it may have touched the, the hindquarters as is that, it, is that double tapping? That well it, it's it's it double tapping or, or, or this is what they claim trying to respond, it's it's the same thing. Fine. It's the same thing. Um, look, I felt a little bit hard done by it, but this, this, the, their rules. Um, as I say, I, I, I felt in, in the race only to give the horse two backhanders, but they have deemed as three. Um, so look, it is what it is. It, it went, it went to to London, and on the Friday, then they emailed to say me I had received four days for it. Um, it's it's frustrating and and. Since then, since then, they've changed the rules on Friday. So now, if I was to happen to me today, I would either, you know, it, you know, would get looked at, and unless they could guarantee it was, you know, something intentional, it wouldn't be reviewed to to London. So, as is from from Friday, it's, it's, the rules are changing. Okay, so it looked to me there when we blew it up, it looked like. That the first one was a bit of a nothing, but it looked like a strike. Yeah. So to, to my untrained eye, so just explain to me from a riding perspective why 
the stick is even in that position when you when you pull it through? Because I, I don't I haven't you know ridden with a, a whip in a race. So go on. Look, look, everyone's different. You know, I I've just pulled it through and it's extended back and and as I say, we we're all having to change because of the new whip rules at the moment. So, you know, th this is the way it is. I I've, I've might just pull it through and as I did, I've just it's come back too far. My my arm has just come back and as I say, without knowing it, it's mm. it struck the horse. So it was unintentional, um, but. You know, I I can't, you know, I, I can't argue with that because it, it when they slow it down, it looks like I have, but it was it was it was in my, my I wasn't intended to strike it, and it, it unfortunately did. But as I say, since then, since Friday, the rules are, are going to change. If it's accidental, um, it may not be brought up. Well, you can see there's a clear difference in velocity between the two. There's the first one is there, and then the second one is the strike. But I but equally by the letter of the law, yeah. I can see why. You, why didn't you appeal? Look, I, as I said, when I went into the inquiry, I said to them, the two strikes that I thought I'd give look completely different to the one that they thought was the one I didn't feel I'd given. And it, they didn't look anything similar. But um, look, I spoke to um, the PGA about it, but you know, it's, it's a touchy subject at the moment. It's, it's, you know, new rules are brought in not very long ago. Um, and, you know, they have to, you know, be seen doing what the rule says I suppose and you know I, I thought um, you know it, it's very hard to win appeals at the moment or, or it just it, it's 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 tough and um, I think if you're going to appeal you have to have a really clear you know case and you know really guarantee that you're going to go off with it because otherwise it's I think it's just wasting everyone's time yeah. so I had to take it in the chin and say that you know, 28 days and now have another extended on to the end of that. Those days don't affect come into effect after my suspension from the Chelmsford incident. So, um, effectively, you've got nearly five weeks out now instead of four. You did appeal. We can't see it because it it's not one of our tracks, but you've appealed and lost. Yes, um, two weeks ago at Windsor, um, I was riding a horse that um, kind of needed a bit of riding. Um, I pulled it through to my left hand and um, I brought it a little bit above my uh, shoulder height to my helmet um, they brought me in they showed me it I accepted it it was it was a bit high which is very very unusual for me because I'd say I don't think I've ever been suspended for having my whip above shoulder height since I was an apprentice and that's probably 20 years ago so since these new rules have come in it's it's as they said to me uh, when I lost the appeal um, on a separate incident where I pulled it through and yes I accepted that the one of them went above shoulder height and then I was brought into a separate inquiry after and I deemed to uh, have gone one over as well um, but I argued that point that the one over or the, the, the first one in my left hand was my horse I felt my horse move slightly to the left I was unbeknown to me that there was a horse on the two horses away on the left side drifting into the right and David Probert was in the middle which was probably about a length behind me um, so obviously I'm looking where I'm going um, I could feel the horse shift um, David Probert shouts at the same time so all this in the proximity is happening less than a second, a half a second. So I have 
a half a second to react. And I did because when I pulled my whip through to my left hand, I was intending to use it for encouragement. But then that quickly changed my mind saying, no, 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 I've heard a shout, pulled on the right rein away from the horse, looked around and, and used my whip behind the saddle at the same time. All in to manoeuvre the horse. All, all in sequence, exactly the same time. It was a half a second reaction to the shout behind me. And the reason why a jockey shouts is because they're in trouble. They need room. <coughs> so I did that to correct it. And they deemed that a hit. And I was like, well, hang on. I, I, I explained. David Prober came into the appeal. And um, the, it was dismissed. And the reply was from their legal team was that the strict high bar of the new whip rules is way above everything else. So I was a little bit taken aback by that because that means that the health and safety of jockeys and horses is second. And that should be the utmost priority is the health and safety of jockeys and horses in races. And yeah, and, and that's why it was dismissed. This so was, sorry, so th these, so these were the two incidents on the same, in the same race? Same race, what? same horse. So you've got eight for, for Well, it was two, two separate incidences, yeah, yeah. so I thought it would have been two separate fours, but apparently the, the, there's a rule somewhere I'd never seen it. There's a rule somewhere to say that because it's the same race that it can be put together. Well, I think that's the new thing. I think in the time, for, I quite like that for, I know you won't, but I quite like the fact that a race is dealt with in a time frame. The, the bands get put together. I think it makes it much more linear, easy to understand when a rider is going to be riding and isn't. But I do understand your frustration. But They're two separate incidences. A hundred percent. But dealt with in time as in like, you go into an inquiry on a race day and you get read out a statement this is the new way, the new rule. They get read out a statement, then you have to give your evidence on the video. And with regards to my whip above shoulder height, which I accepted because I asked it to be paused when they said my whip was over, and they, 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 they didn't really want to do it, but I made them for my own preference. And I accepted it because I could see it. It's, it's, it's on the TV, it's simple. And then, um, Going back in, you give another statement, and then, because that was on a Monday, it then has to wait till Friday to be reviewed by a whip review committee. So you have to wait nearly another week before you get an email deciding whether you're in breach or whether you're not in breach. And then you have to appeal, which is then another week. So you're appealing when the ban is kicking in, when you sh your agent should be trying to, get, so you kind of like you get a bit lost. It's a bit. I, I, it needs to be dealt with a bit more su efficient and a bit more quicker. Uh, uh, just on your individual um, point, you, you're, you're basically arguing that you use the whip one over for th that one was for safety yes. and not for encouragement, and therefore they should have had a, 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 a less strict approach to it. But technically, it seems like you did break the rules as they stand, so you've been banned for it. What's your take, Jonathan? Well, I've got fairly complicated uh, views of the new whip rules because I think I, I'm, I'm in that camp that racing needs to be proactive. It needs to make changes before people come in and make it make changes. So I was in favour of it from a perception point of view. I think it was a well-intentioned project. I think it has been handled horribly, both the implementation and the constant tweaking and adaption and communication to the jockeys who really they're the ones affected by the rules, they're the ones who should have been 
better represented who had to feel like their concerns were heard and the feeling in the way room from conversations I've had is that wasn't necessarily communicated as powerfully as they wanted it to be given it is a fairly important part of their job how they use the whip I think you know the, the rules are there they needed to be stronger because I worried about the subjectivity of the old ones and we go back to the fact the introduction of the number of strikes has almost put the sport down this path and that's fine the horse has bolted on that one I think the subjectivity was leading a little bit to a win-at-all-cost mentality. People were perhaps able to wiggle out of things a little bit. So I like the idea that we have, it's, it's written, it's in black and white, these are the rules. At the same time, you are going to have instances that are going to be exceptions to the rule. And then you almost do need that element of common sense, somebody having a look at it and stepping back and saying, okay, we've heard your reasoning and we understand that health and safety, there, there needs to be perhaps even the tiniest little bit of wiggle room in some instances but again that's difficult isn't it and you need they need to be robust so I'm slightly the jury's slightly out on that I, I think the rule I, I'm I like the driving force behind the rules whether they are being carried out in practice as effectively as they could be at the moment I think is very much open to debate I feel like we've gone backwards a little bit since the flat season returned proper because we had obviously the debacle with the the, the Whitrolls being announced pre Cheltenham which may or may not have been the right timing however Cheltenham passed relatively without incident that was a positive and as we approached the end of the jump season everyone was breathing again there were no real sort of high profile high profile notable bands we're now getting into teething problems with the 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 flat and I think one of the big ones is this time to respond issue because perhaps we ride or, or races on the flat the finish to a race on the flat with the speed at which we go through the race is slightly different Pat and and therefore um, you know a, a stick might need to be used a little more quickly than it, than it is over jumps I don't know but it feels like we're getting more time to respond than we did over jumps yeah look obviously it's a different two different sports really you know like we obviously go on a much faster pace. Things, ours all changed sort of late on. You know, last sort of from, you know, from the three to the two to the one, it all changes very quickly. And you know, as I say, it's just a case of like, we all have the same rules, but it's, I think, it's very hard to adapt to them all very very quickly. And and as I say, there's just been, you know, as I say, obviously, Cheltenham was good, but as I say, now we're into the it's flat and. We're all trying to adapt, and, and as I said, there's been so many suspensions. It's, it's, it's it hasn't worked out properly. It's just it's gone the wrong way. If anything, as to say, there's been over a thousand days suspensions. Well, this was Paul Struthers, who the the ex um, chief executive of the, the PJ, who, who put a tweet saying a thousand up. So this is um, since a point in May. I think relating mainly to the, the the flat season, there's been over a thousand days of suspensions. Um, Obviously, he has a, he has looking back at his time at the PGA, where I think you know he represented all, all the jockeys very well. He, he's hugely frustrated by that. Um, that said, there haven't been Neil some re there haven't been too many very high profile suspensions. It does seem as though it's obviously you you, you know you yourselves aside. By and large, the the riders with less experience are being the ones that are that are punished. We haven't had any. I suppose you're missing Guinea's Day is the most high profile of the lot. Yeah, but I don't want to sit here and just, you know, play my violin because uh, it's um, <clears throat> it's jockeys as a whole. Like, I mean, <clears throat> I can't remember his name, but obviously because I'm on the, the PGA advisory group, so I get to see quite a lot of information. And uh, there was one jump jockey there. He, um, I think he might have went one over 
in a in a class two, and um, he got eight days, and then they then I think it was something either respond or maybe over his shoulder. It ended up being like twelve days, and it's like the m it's a minor technical breach. But he probably won't do it again, right? Because it's twelve days. Yeah, Don't you think by the end of the flat season, you guys won't be in this position because you'll just know you won't ever go over shoulder height again, and you won't ever. You'll make sure when you pull it through, there will be no contact made because of the punishments. Well, I don't know because obviously, mine wouldn't. If, if that happened today, it, well, wouldn't I, be. I, it wouldn't be in. So they've changed the rules. There's obviously, there's been flaws in them because, you know, a, th a thousand days suspension for jockeys and like, there's something wrong. And, and is that in two months, three months? Less, I think. Is it? Is it? I think it's a point at the start of May. Oh, yeah, well, there you go. You know, <laughs> You know, um, sorry, no. It's since the rules. That's what it is. It's when the rules came in to the point of the start of May. Okay, sorry. Okay. Go on. But yeah, it's it's something's clearly not working. Mm. You know, um, you know. So it obviously, you know, what I, what I got done for. I'll try and not let it happen again. And maybe that's what should have happened in the first place. They should have approached and said, "Listen, to me on these rules. You know, you need to be more careful, or else there's going to be a big suspension coming." Mm. I don't know what what the best thing forward is, but. I definitely think, you know, obviously we're all trying not to you know, make any mistakes, but we, we know the rules. But as I say, I spoke to William Buick at Doncaster at the start of the season, and you know, when you're riding a race, you have to think about not going over six, not heading a short, keeping low shoulder height, giving it time to respond, and then you've got to try and ride a race as well. It's it's a lot of things you just factor all in very quickly. Now the rules are the rules, but it's it's and it's it's just not going to be easy. It's just switching on and off a light, you know. It's 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 going to take time, and things will have to change. And as I say, it looks like there's been some flaws in their their end that they they've started to change some of the rules. But Tom, I, me personally, I didn't think there was anything wrong with the the rules from 12 months ago. What was, what was wrong with them? You you tell me. What what did, did you think? And Jonathan said there, there was a mentality of win at all costs. Yes, but then that, that, that's a tweak. That's a tweak in a rules going forward. Not a complete, um, like a complete change. And, and it's, it, it's drawing bad attention. I think sledgehammer to a nut is the phrase that's been, that, that's it's, been, and it's, been put it's around. It's drawing bad attention to racing rather than positive, which is what we should be doing. Right, as said, Will Kennedy is alongside Jonathan Harding from Racing Post is still in. Welcome along, how's things? Yeah, very good, thank you. Nice to be here. Uh, so we are how many days after retirement? Uh, nine now. Right, not that you're counting. <laughs> um, what, did you know it was coming imminently? Uh, oh yeah, um, uh, this time last year I, I thought about it and then um, I got offered a job with Ollie Murphy um, to have one more go, uh, he wanted someone uh, in the yard that knew the horses when he couldn't get the top guys uh, that uh, that he had associated with him. Um, I sort of didn't want to give up last year. I thought I'd give it one more go. Um, look, I had, I had a good season, rode some nice horses for Ollie, and it was nice to be there. And um, didn't just work out. And um, yeah, it was just the time was right. Mm -hmm. I never know how to. I saw Tom O'Brien. Uh, he was at Newmarket yesterday, right. um, and I never quite know how to ap approach the subject of retirement, like whether to say congratulations or whether to say commiserations or 
but I guess it's an individual thing, right? Some sometimes you might be forced to retire. Sometimes you decide on your own terms. Great. I, like, where would you sit there? What, well, what, how, what do you want people to say to you about retirement? Um, well, it's not retirement. I now have to work for a living because uh, <laughs> I've literally lived my dream for 20 years, and uh, I feel very, very privileged that um, I have gone out uh, on my own terms. Um, th the guys that um, that have been forced through injury, that that uh, I've been lucky through my career with injury, and to be forced out through injury must always really hurt, I think, and um, and leave a leave a little bit of a scar. So I'm uh, very lucky to. Um, to be walking away um, on my own terms, yeah, definitely. So there was no sort of physically. It, it wasn't because of, like you say, a you know so a, a long-standing injury or anything like that. It just it was just the right time for you to, to pursue something. A hundred percent, just the right time. Um, uh, uh, not riding the uh, horse is good enough, and and um, and uh, yeah, uh, I'm 41 now, so I've 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 rinsed it. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. I suppose jump jockey-wise, that is. Yeah, yeah, it's a good age. That's that's getting there, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so what's next? Um, I don't actually have any huge plans. I've got a few things in the pipeline. Um, I, I'm a jockey coach, qualified jockey coach. Uh, I've done a bit of uh, your social side in the, the Orange Mike on Race yeah, Day yeah. TV. I'd love to pursue that, really. I'd love to get into a bit of media and do that. Um, I, I do a bit of work for Dave Cross and um, a bit of corporate hosting at the race meetings. Mm -hmm. I love meeting new people. Um, and... Um, trying to get every people in, interested in our sport. I mean, it's a brilliant sport, and, and, and the more people can get involved in it, the better. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd really like to keep my hand in um, with, with maybe a um, uh, an owner or um, a syndicate or something to do a little bit of work for them. I, I'd love to be going around to yards, sitting on some horses and... Um, yeah, I, I don't want to. Uh, I don't want to get out of it anyway. That's for sure. Will, will, so it's not. It, you'll, you'll still want to be around. You still want to work in the sport, without a doubt. Oh yeah, definitely. It's it's given me so many great times. I mean, um, I'm really privileged to have, uh, have have worked in such a great sport for 20 years. Yeah. It, how difficult is it when you are riding? Because it's such an all-encompassing sport, horse racing. They're there for a, for a rider. The amount of racing we have is very difficult to have any sort of break. So when you are thinking about stepping down, I guess it's not—it's not easy to sort of turn your attention to that. It's, it, does it feel a little bit like, right? I've stopped riding now. Well, or that no? was some of the problem, really, um, uh, as not having something to segue into mm -hmm. was um, when you're doing it, you have to be all in, and and I always sort of knew that. Um, there was going to be a, a, a difficult transition. Hopefully, um, it, it, it'll, it'll over the next six months or so, it'll, it'll work out nicely. But um, I was always going to have to stop before I found the next thing I was going to do. I, I, I've been sort of looking over the last year or so as something I can segue into. But um, I still wanted to ride, and so riding was in the forefront of my mind. Um, but now I'm not riding. Yeah. Um, it's, start, it's time to start to look for something new. Can't. I can't really imagine the mentality of being a professional sportsman, full stop, but, but of, of then having to accept that that thing, Jonathan, which has, which has given you, you everything, the, the sort of whole reason for being, is then behind you and then it's on to a new chapter. I, 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 it can't be very easy. Yeah, I gave up on the dream of being a professional athlete a very long time yeah. ago. And um, look, it's difficult for any athlete. I think it's even more difficult for a jockey because of the uniqueness of that job. Um, with the travel, with the weight management, with the fact that 
the majority of your rides are losers. It's a uniquely challenging, from a mental perspective, it's, it requires a very resilient person. I remember speaking to um, Michael Caulfield, formerly of the PGA, a long time ago for a piece on when jockeys retire and how they make that transition with things like jets. And, and he said, if you were down in the trenches, you would want a jump jockey next to you. And I think that probably rings true in terms of the resilience and, and the, the kind of work ethic. To drop that suddenly is is difficult, I'm sure. Mm. Um, yeah, he. That, I like that. I see. That's, he, he's a very insightful guy. Um, so, w looking back, what? How do you reflect on the career? Um, oh, uh, well, f f like I said before, I've said a couple of times. Just love doing it. I literally, um, as a ten-year-old, when people asked you what do you want to be when you grow up? The only answer to that question I ever had was be a jockey. So I'm so lucky that I, I literally live my dream. Mm. Um, being Where, did champion, Where did you grow up? Uh, on the curve. My dad was a, was a trainer, um, a jockey first, then a trainer. So it was in my blood. So mm. um, I was sort of probably destined to do it. But um, and then... Did uh, you want to be a flat jockey? I initially, yeah, yeah, I probably did. Um, but I just got too tall and, um, and started a bit late as well. Uh, I didn't really get going till I, I didn't have my first ride till I was 21, first winner till I was 22. So... Um, but moved over to Noel Chance, who I actually went to school with his daughter on the Curra, and so that was the connection. Um, I felt like uh, having a little bit of a connection, starting a little bit later, was going to help. And Noel was very good to me, um, and I was champion conditional while I um, worked for him. And that's probably my um, my greatest achievement, really, because um, I set out that season with the help of Michael Caulfield, as you spoke about. Uh, I got myself a personal trainer, um, I worked with Michael, um, and the goal for that season, along with Dave Roberts, was to be champion conditional. Um, and to then achieve that was um, was a huge high, yeah. What year was that? Yeah, 2005-06. That must have been... Lifetime ago. Yeah, well, <laughs> it must have been some buzz. And then what about the transition uh, off the back of that? Um, like like most um, apprentices and conditionals, it's always a little bit of a dip, and I had a bit of a dip, but then I, I got associated with um, Time for Rupert, which was mm. probably the best horse I rode, and, and he, he brought me to some great days. And um, I loved that horse. Yeah, yeah, so did I. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he was very but he, good. So he really, like, I don't know, uh, the public was so affectionate with that horse. I think he was, um, the horse, uh, he was so tough, he, wo he wore his hair on a sleeve, really. He, 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 he grinded races out, and... Um, uh, I suppose there were there were a uh, a new partnership that owned them as well, um, and that they probably the, the media jumped on that and got behind him, um, and and he won some good races. So yeah, how in your time in the sport, how what was the the, the biggest change for you uh, 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 regarding jump racing? Did, is it a very different sport now to eighteen twenty years ago? Do you think? Um, wow, uh, it's it's it's. Uh, lots of things have changed through. Uh, you you were, had the lads in earlier about the, the whip and stuff, and I'm not going to get onto that. But mm. um, and uh, um, I think the way races are um, are ran now has changed. Um, um, so yeah, it's definitely it's definitely changed quite a bit. Yeah. For the do you feel it's in a, do you feel it's in a good place now? Um, yeah, I mean it's 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 always changing. Um, the way races are run now is, is I'm not I'm not quite sure uh, I enjoy that as much. Um, it's very fast, furious. Um, riding a race has changed uh, over the years. Yeah. Uh, go on. So what the tempo of a race? Yeah, I think the tempo of a race has definitely changed. Yeah. It's just faster from I the think outset. It's, I think it's faster from the outset. Yeah.
Yeah. Why, why, I wonder why that would be. I think horses are trained differently now as well. I think um, possibly um, how Martin Pipe trained years ago and, and, and how he set out his stall. He used to um, bob them out from the front, go, go, mm. give them a break and in, and go again. And, and um, uh, people had to adapt to that really. And so I think that was the, probably the start of it. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I, 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 you would know much more riding in it than I would from, from watching it, but that's an interesting thought. That, and don't we say, don't we say here in comparison to jump racing in Ireland, we go much harder from the start and are much harder on horses. I feel like that, that is something that's said. Well, I'm not sure about harder on horses, but we do go harder from the start, yeah. Um, yeah. To our detriment? Um, I, I don't think so. I don't think, it, it's, it don't think it's anything to do, or it's the reason why the Irish horses are better. I think that, that comes down to the sales room, probably. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a whole new, different story. Ones, yeah. Yeah. But, um, but no, I don't think to our detriment, really. But um, it's, just a, it's just a different, it's a different way. You, you see the guys who come over here, it takes them just a little bit of time to adapt. Mm. Yeah, definitely. As, as a jockey coach, what, with any young jockeys coming through, what, um, what sort of the soundest piece of advice do you think you could, you could give them? Perhaps something that you were given when you were younger or you wish you had been. Um, oh, I, I, work ethic is is hugely important, really, um, and uh, be be seen and not heard, I suppose. But um, uh, one bit of advice m my dad gave me, which uh, I've always sort of um, tried to keep uh, when I've been riding one good enough, is keep a little bit up your sleeve. So it's, it's a bit of advice I'll, I'll always pass on. I think. <laughs> don't don't go all out for it. Don't, don't yeah, just keep a little bit up your sleeve for 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 the end of the race. Yeah. Um, would you? I don't. Have you, would you? Have you got youngsters or anything? No, I don't. Okay. No, no. So I don't know whether it's something that you would. What you feel about young people going into 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 the sport, particularly into jump racing now? Um, but if people absolutely love it, if it's all they want to do, we heard Neil talking about his son there, who he said, "Well, look, you're going to get an education first, and then see how you go." But if you have young people who are who want to be a jockey, there's no convincing them otherwise, right? Oh, I, I think if you can if you can make a living doing a sport, m no matter what it is, I mean, being a jockey is is, is a harder way than, mm. than some other sports. Um, but if you can make a living doing a sport and something you love, um, yeah, uh, yeah, do it. <laughs> it's my, looking at jump jockeys, Jonathan. You think why? Yeah, insane. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yes. But and yet. And yet, it's all, you know, it, it's such clearly such a buzz. Yeah. <laughs> you have to be wired a certain way, I think, to do that. Um, and you have to be quite single-minded, I sense, from the conversations in, in what you're doing. It's, it's not a sport that you can sort of dabble in. Mm. Um, it's kind of all in. Yeah, 100%, yeah. But do you, ha so do you have to be... Is, it, is that just a sports person? That you have to be selfish. I think it's a sports person in general. Yeah, I think I think you do have to have, have an element of selfishness. Yeah. Although I can't think of there's something about the nature of of riding horses that you're doing it day in day out, travelling so much, spending so much time on your own, or if you have a family away from a family, it's I don't know it, 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 how appealing that looks. I, I'm not sure, but uh, as you say. Um, it's all some people want to do. Yeah, yeah. And you might be able to, you maybe were involved in this journey from jockeys becoming, almost being mo viewed more as a jockey athlete. And that's something Michael Caulfield touched on as well. When I've spoken to him about this transition of it becoming more professional, you have more, there's more focus on the fitness side, the mental health side, the psychology of it all, and kind of 
Is that something that you've noticed that becoming more like a, you know, like a Premier League football or something a bit more professional? Well, back to your question earlier, and really, I should have thought that that is the biggest change. Is mm. is it how m much more professional um, the sport is now, and how um, the guys look after themselves way better, and uh, weight maintenance um, has got a lot better. And um, I'm personally an advocate for uh, no saunas and. Doing no saunas. Yeah, and doing it the right way and, and, and maintaining your weight the right way. Because I, I don't I think that's a, a hugely popular opinion. Yeah, I might get a bit of backlash off that, especially as I'm retired and probably yeah, going to yeah, eat yeah. all these uh, cakes afterwards. But um, uh, I think uh, I think you can you can maintain it and be be a lot healthier. Um, uh, yeah. W would you have, when the saunas were there? Did you use them regularly? Not really. I, I I got into a habit of um, of uh, using them because I they were there and I knew I, I could. But mm. but no, I didn't. I'm not, look, uh, I'm not. I, I, I am going to get a bit of backlash. But I, I, it's, it's just it's just my opinion. I, and I, and I think um, uh, in 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 a few years' time, um, everyone will have had to have looked after themselves to maintain their weight. Um, there will be a change. Yeah. Did you ever struggle with your weight? Uh, touch wood, not really. No. Okay. I guess that's the thing. I guess some of the heavier guys might think I need to, you know, an, an extra pound here that I could just get off in the so in, in the sauna easier, as opposed to having go out in the pouring rain and run around the track four times wearing a lot of clothes. That that would be an easier way for me to do it. Whether it's safer or not, I don't know. Mm. In three years' time, though, um, the, the the bigger guys um, may not be able to do it. Full stop. Uh, you just the, the, the jockeys are always known for being very very small. But now they're getting bigger and bigger, aren't they? So mm. um, whether that's a good thing or not, though.